I, we talked about this before. If this was a BFG and we were sitting in a circle, this wouldn't be intimidating at all. <laughs> but but what, actually, when I look out there, I see everybody that's treated me really good, so this isn't intimidating. So tonight we're going to look at uh, John 4, 43 through 54. So let me read that. After the two days, he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, for they had also been there. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son was sick at Calpurnium. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replied, You may go. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on his way, his servants met him with the news, <coughs> excuse me, met him with the news that his boy was living. When he had inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and all his household believed. This was the second miraculous sign that Jesus performed, having come from Judea to Galilee. It's really just a 11 verses of a quick, right-to-the-point story. Um, but when I started reading this, I thought, what led up to this? What was the setting? What happened to make this happen, this royal official trusting Jesus? Why did the Galileans welcome Jesus? So that's what I started to look at. And it was really good for me because I think I taught myself a lot. A lot of times when I read the Bible, I don't read it like this. And um, even though this can be intimidating, I think it's really good for us to do this because it's a learning experience. So let's pray and then we'll get started. Lord, I pray for, a, for calmness to be clear. But most of all, Lord, I pray that we would see the grace and the love that you have for us, how you are worthy of all praise, that you are the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And you did that because you loved us so much. When we had lost it all, you gave it all to us. So, Lord, help us to honor you in all that we do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So when I started looking at this and thought, well, where does this story start? I, I went back to John chapter 2 to find out, because it said that this was the second time that Jesus was in Cana. And if you go back to um, John chapter 2, it talks about when Jesus was at a wedding. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, 
and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Actually, when I first read this, I thought of John and Tammy, and I thought, I bet they're really glad that weddings aren't today what they were back then, because that was a week-long celebration. Today, it's just a few hours. But anyway, that's a, that's a side note. So, um, and that, uh, in the footnotes, it says, weddings in Jesus' day were a week-long festivals. Banquets would be uh, prepared for many guests, and the week would be spent celebrating the new life of uh, the married couple. Often the whole town was invited, and everybody would come. It was considered an insult to refuse an invitation to a wedding. So this was a big deal. And a lot of times when I read the Bible and uh, Jesus was at a wedding, I forget how much time was involved. Um, and when we look a, l a little further into this, how, uh, how much time they spent in certain places and how they traveled in the timeline of it all. Because a lot of times I read these verses and... Days, weeks go by in just a couple verses. But Jesus was with his mother, his brothers, and the disciples, and they spent a week together um, at, at this wedding. Um, and if you go down to chapter 2, verse 11, it says this, and I'm not going to go over the whole thing, but we know at the wedding... That's where Jesus performed his first miracle. He turned the water into wine. But it ends with, this was the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and this is what I didn't know before, and I think is important. And his disciples put their faith in him. I always considered you know, the disciples put their faith in Jesus the, the minute he called them and they said, okay, we'll follow you. And I'm sure they, they did, but at the same time, uh, it says here that this is where the disciples really put, put their faith in, in Jesus. And after spending a week at the celebration of this wedding, it says, after this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there a few days. And there I would miss the time because Capernaum was 20 miles away. And to travel in those days, traveling with that group of people, they would probably cover about 12 miles. So that was a day and a half journey. Now, what it doesn't say and what I really didn't dig into is they needed water, they needed food, and they needed shelter. And so they, they took a day and a half, and they traveled to Capernaum. Um, and these were all times that Jesus really got to spend with his disciples. Um, I think it would be really interesting to just kind of tag along there and hear all that happened that isn't recorded here, because those were the times where they really bonded. Their friendships became strong, and, and they learned a lot about Jesus. Um, 
So they went down to Capernaum and they stayed there for a few days. But then in verse 13, it says, it was almost time for the Jewish Passover. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And there, so okay, he left Capernaum, now he's in Jerusalem, except Jerusalem was 120 miles away. They go 12 miles a day, that's a 10 days journey. Those are more times that he got to spend with his disciples, teaching, uh, being with them, learning about them, and they learned a lot about Jesus at, the, at that time also. And when they got to um, Jerusalem, and it was time for the Passover, it didn't take long for the people in, to, in Jerusalem to find out about Jesus because there, there was a big scene that happened when Jesus got to Jerusalem. Um, and the first thing Jesus did was go in and clear the temple courts. He chased the animals out. He overturned the, the tables of the money changers. Um, if the people didn't see it, I'm sure they heard about it quickly. Word would have spread quickly. And to think about the number of people that would have been in Jerusalem, says the, pass, the Passover celebration took place yearly at the temple in Jerusalem. Every Jewish male was expected to make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem during this time. This was a week-long festival. The Passover was one day, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread lasted the rest of the week. Um, the entire week commemorated the, the freeing of the Jews from slavery. Jerusalem was both the religious and the political seat of Palestine, and the place where the Messiah was expected to arrive. Jerusalem was already a big place. It was already an important place. And now, every Jewish male was expected to make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. If Jerusalem was crowded normally, now it was really crowded. And the temple was the center of attention. And Jesus went to the temple and became the center of attention. Um, and he was there again for a week. Um, and what happened there, I, I think, is, is really interesting because when Jesus went in and cleared the temple, the first thing they, that uh, they said is, the Jews demanded of him, what miraculous signs can you do to prove that you have authority to do all this? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. And when I read that, and because a week ago Sunday morning, when John was preaching, those were the words that the Pharisees used to put Jesus on trial and bring him to the crucifixion. And, you know, I started thinking, that didn't happen by mistake. Jesus basically turned himself in for that trial. And here, after clearing the temple, Jesus says, destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. He was giving to the Pharisees, to the Jewish 
rulers exactly what they needed to bring Jesus to the cross. And I thought that was, that was really interesting. Um, and after the week of being at the um, Passover, it says that Jesus headed down to Capernaum. And um, i got to make sure I don't get lost here. Okay. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and there they stayed for a few days. Um, oh, I already did that. Hang on. This, is, this was my biggest fear, that I would do this. But like I said, well, you guys are pretty easy, so it's, it's not that nerve-wracking. Um, one thing I did, um, when, John, when Jesus went down to Capernaum, I, I didn't realize how important Capernaum was uh, to Jesus' ministry. Um, this is where Jesus called uh, his disciples, many of the disciples. He called Matthew to be the disciples. He also called uh, Peter and his brother Andrew and James and John, the four fishermen, to be the fisher of men. Um, Calpurnium was a, uh, an important place. It says, Capernaum became Jesus' home base during his ministry in Galilee. Located on a major trade route, it was an important city in the region. A Roman garrison was there and a custom station. Capernaum uh, is where Matthew was called to be a disciple. The city was also the home of several other disciples, the, the four brothers, the, the two brothers and the two brothers. Yeah, um, it had at least one major synagogue, and Jesus made this his center of operations, uh, even though he condemned it for being a city of unbelief. Um, I, I thought that was interesting, that, that that's where Jesus used as his home base for his ministry in, in the Galilean region. Um, Now I'm finding out I probably should have used different colors on some of these verses. Um, but I'm going to back up just a little bit because um, after, during the, uh, the Passover, we know um, that he, Jesus was there a week, and he also met with Nicodemus there. And after Nicodemus, if you go to John 3, 22, it said that from there, after this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent time and baptized. So there again, he traveled, and he spent more time with his disciples. And if you go to John 4, verses 1 through 4, the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who was baptizing, but his disciples. 
When the Lord heard of this, he left Judea and once more headed back to Galilee. He was going to go back to Cana. And he had to go through Samaria. Now we know what happened in Samaria. Uh, we know that that wasn't the land that they normally traveled through, but he did. And he met the woman at the well, and he stayed in the city of Sychar for a couple days. And many people believed in Jesus. Um, and that brings us right back to where we started in John 4, chapter 43. After the two days, after he left Sychar and headed, uh, after the two days, he left for Galilee. Now, Jesus himself said that um, a prophet has no honor in his own country. And when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, for they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast. And I started thinking, okay, what were the things he did at the Passover feast? He was there for a week. So I went back to John 2. Chapter uh, verses 23 through 25. Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in a man. And um, when, I set, when I started reading that, they saw the miraculous signs that Jesus was doing, and he was there for a week. So I started thinking, what would be the miraculous signs he was doing? And I think we can probably all kind of, from other Bible stories, decide you know, what, what, were the, what were the miraculous signs Jesus did. Did he have somebody put their hand inside their cloak and pull out a a withered hand and pull out a hand that was completely functional and good? Did he reach down and pick a man up who was lame and give him his legs and feet back? Did he pick up some mud and spit in it and make, or pick up some dirt and spit in it and make some mud and put it on their eyes so they could see? You know, did he touch their ears and give them hearing? What were the miraculous signs? I guess when I read this, those were the things that I thought of. So, um, when I even got a little further into this, and we're going to learn about the royal official, now I kind of understand why the royal official wanted to travel and um, see Jesus and ask him to come and heal his son. All the Jewish men were at the Passover. That royal official would only make sense that he was there too. He would have either definitely heard of the miraculous signs Jesus was doing, or he would have probably even seen some of those miraculous signs that Jesus was doing. But at the end of this, uh, it says, Jesus would not entrust himself to them uh, for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about men. And the footnote down here says, the Son of God knows all about human nature. 
Jesus was well aware of the truth of Jeremiah 17.9, which states, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Jesus was discerning and knew that the faith of some of the followers, some of the people that saw him do those miraculous signs, their faith was superficial. Some of the same people claiming to believe in Jesus at this time would later yell, crucify him. Those, we know that the Pharisees yelled that. We know that many of the Jews yelled that. And those were a lot of the same people that would have uh, seen Jesus and heard Jesus during the Passover time. But going back to our story about the royal official, so we know that the Galileans welcomed him back because they had seen what Jesus had done. And once more, he visited Canaan in Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Calpurnium. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. And what I found interesting is he knew that Jesus could heal because of what had happened at the Passover. This is my take on it. I'm sure he, he probably would have been there. He probably would have seen and heard what Jesus did. So when his son was sick, it would only make sense. I'm going to go see Jesus. He had a 20-mile trip from Capernaum to Cana. And we said normally they could travel 12 miles in a day. But they said a well-trained garrison of uh, soldiers, they could travel 20 miles a day. A person who was traveling light and had a real reason to travel they could probably do 20 miles a day. I'm guessing that this royal official, because his son was sick, he was in a hurry. He wanted to see Jesus. So he got moving in the morning, and he made it to, to Cana in Galilee. And the first thing he did is he found Jesus, and he said, come with me, come heal my son, which... That by itself was interesting. He wanted Jesus to follow him. You know, come, come down and heal my son. And Jesus says, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonder, Jesus told him, you will never believe. But, you know, it almost sounds like Jesus kind of put him in his place a little bit, you know. But it didn't deter him at all. He said, sir, and he put Jesus in a place of authority, sir, come down and heal my son. And then I started thinking about that. Well, you know, that kind of makes sense. When Jesus was at the Passover, did he, the people that he healed and performed those miraculous signs for, he was physically there. Did he touch them? Did he stand them up? Um, everything he did to heal those people, he physically was there. But now he says to the royal official, you may go, your son will live. That would have been really interesting to see how Jesus said that. Because when you read it here, you could say, 
Jesus looked at him and said, you know, unless you people see miraculous signs, you'll never believe. Ah, you may go, your, hun, your son will be healed. You know, did he slough him off and just tell him to go? Or did he look at him with a lot of compassion? And did he say it in a way that the royal official had to believe him? Your son's going to live. And I would suggest that that's how Jesus said it, because the royal official took him at his word and headed back home in believing that his son was going to be healed. And it said later on in this that, that, that Jesus told him that at the seventh hour. So that means that man started back to his home in Capernaum later in the day. That means that 20-mile hike didn't happen in one stretch. He would have spent the night. And the next day, he would have arrived home. But his servants saw that the fever broke and that the son was going to be healed. And in their excitement, they were going to go find the master. And so they met him on the road. And, you know, they said, He's, he's, your son's living. He's, he's living. He says, when did this happen? He says, it happened at the seventh hour. He got better at the seventh hour. And the royal official said, that's exactly when Jesus said, your son will live. And then he, the father realized that this was the exact time in which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his household believed this was the second miraculous sign that Jesus performed having come from Galilee, from Judah to Galilee. And so now I started thinking, how do we make this for your one? So I put my interpretation on it. Um, The royal official, I guess that would be us. Because the royal official first had to believe Jesus. So do we. That's what we'd have to do first. We have to accept Jesus first. We have to believe in him. And then we get to share the good news. We get to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus gave us the good news. And because of that, his, his whole household believed. He shared the good news, but it wasn't his great speech that saved them. It was the truth of God's word. And that's how it is for us today. First, we've given our lives to Jesus Christ. We've asked him to save us from our sins. Now, we have the opportunity, and it's a privilege, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And we don't have to be the ones that are great at speaking, and we don't have to convince anyone. That's what the Holy Spirit does.
All we have to do is be willing. We have to be willing to tell the truth. The results of that are maybe a whole household will be saved. For us, the results are Jesus saved us from our sins. We get adopted into God's family and we're given eternal life. Can it get better than that? So, that's it. And looking at the clock, I promised the BFG that we would be done early. We're done early. So, thank you. This was, we, we talked about this at the board meeting um, a little bit. This is a little intimidating. It's out of my comfort zone to sit up here and talk like this. But yet, at the same time, it's a, it's a learning experience. Um, you learn to read the Bible a little different and look at it a little, little differently. So um, never, never, never be afraid to, uh, to go to your one and um, tell them the good news. So let's close in prayer. Lord, just thank you that, um, that the good news of Jesus Christ was available for each one of us. Lord, and I pray that each one of us would accept you for our own personal Savior if we have not already. And if we have, Lord, help us to be bold, help us to be clear, and help us to be willing to share the good news. We pray that you would go before us and that you, Lord, would open the eyes, the hearts, and the minds of, of people so that their name, too, can be written in the book of life. And we thank you for loving us so dearly. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, you can go. Thank <laughs> you.